Brew Crew territory is back. It's Braun and Kratz, and the Milwaukee Brewers have made a trade that, Kratz, I don't know if their fans are going to be thrilled with because I think it kind of points to potentially what their budget's going to look like this offseason. Maybe it's just something to mitigate the trade that everyone's afraid of. Maybe this is a way to keep Burns around, save $7 million, and possibly give that $7 million to Burnsy. I, you know, what constraints Matt Arnold's in, I got no idea. But you don't want to see little pieces leaving the team, but you definitely don't want to see Burnsy leaving the team. So this doesn't necessarily bode poorly for the, for the Brewers fans right now. Okay, let's get some more opinions on this then, Kratz. We'll go to the FT crew on the Brewers-Mets trade that went down. We do have a trade to cover that we haven't hit. That occurred in the past 24 hours. Let's go on the move. The New York Mets acquiring Tyrone Taylor from the Brewers along with Adrian Hauser for minor league right-handed pitcher Coleman Crow. There's a little more info if you're looking on the screen right now. Hauser last season, uh, low 4 ZRA, a 4-1-2 mark. Made 21 starts. Tyrone Taylor, I think, has gotten a little better the more that he's played in the bigs. He's a really good outfielder, really good defensive outfielder, um, can play all three spots. And as you saw on the tweet there, 81 games last season, 10 home runs in a half a season. He's a nice, underrated fourth-ish outfielder, I would say, right? Well, who do the Mets have next year? They have... In center, they have a, a memo, right? Marte's still there, right? Yeah. Left field is because they got rid of Canna. So left field and Pham isn't there anymore. So who's in left field? I mean, right now on their depth chart, the outfielders are Nimmo, Marte, DJ Stewart, Tyrone Taylor, Cooper Hummel, Alex Ramirez. So this is a nice – he might get some at-bats in New York. Unless they <laughs> sign somebody, right? Yeah. So, I mean, in Hauser, they need pitching. We've talked about it. It's Senga and kind of – you know, and, and Hauser, listen, Hauser in a pitcher's non-pitcher friendly ballpark like Milwaukee and that whole division, really, Cincinnati, Wrigley, Pittsburgh's not the greatest place to pitch in the world. He's done pretty well. So this is a sneaky good move for me for the Mets. I don't know why the Brewers did it, but it's just, I mean, other than, I guess, payroll, but Hauser and Taylor aren't making that much, are they? No, no, not at all. And by the way, also, I, I guess you could include Jeff McNeil as but I thought an second outfielder. Baseman. Yeah, I mean, right now in their depth chart, they have McNeil and left. I mean, this is just the MLB depth chart. And by the way, for the rotation, yeah, you got Senga. This is what they have right now. Carrasco? Senga, one. Carrasco? Uh, no, Carrasco's gone. Severino, Cook two. <clears throat> I forgot about Severino. Quintana, three. Who's fine. If he's, he's been hurt, though, right. so much. Hauser, four. And then guys like Tyler McGill, um, David Peterson, you know, your fifth starter kind of options. They're going to pick up another starter or two. Of course. Also, they're going for that Yamamoto dude, if you ever heard of him. But who? Yamamoto. <laughs> he's, he's a big deal in Japan. <laughs> but no, they saved. I mean, and, and we could show Bob Nightingale on here too. So the deal should save the Brewers about $7 million. The one thing I can promise you is there are two less pissed off people today thanks to this trade. The Milwaukee Brewers are fucking ruthless in arbitration. And Adrian Hauser and Tyrone Taylor do not have to go through that process with the Milwaukee Brewers. I would say there's a decent chance they will settle on a number with the Mets. If not, they'll go to ARB and they won't be blamed for the world ending because of them. 
which is what the Brewers like to do to piss off guys like Corbin Burns and Josh Hader. And trust me, that's real. You're pinching pennies. You're pissing off your best players. That is a thing. We've heard from both of those players on our show about it. But anyway, to me, Kratz, you know, we host Brew Crew Territory all the time. I have a different perspective of this. I mean, Adrian Hauser is nice starting pitching depth and Tyrone Taylor is nice outfield depth. They don't cost much combined seven mil for those two. I think the Brewers are showing us a sign of where their budget is at for this offseason. Where's seven million? What did we just say Corbin Burns is going to cost? 15? 15 plus? For this season, yep. For this season. Maybe they're still going. I See, to me, I don't see this as a precursor to trading Corbin Burns. Because if you're going to trade Corbin Burns, you need Adrian Hauser. Because you need those innings. That's why they signed Colin Ray earlier before the tender deadline, before there was like any opportunity for him to talk to anybody else. Is Colin Ray the you know going to push them to the World Series? No. Is Adrian Hauser going to push them to the World Series? No. Is Corbin Burns? Absolutely he is. And maybe this $7 million is something they needed to free up for the non-argumentative pre-arbitration or arbitration contract that they're going to have to sign with Corbin. They know they're going to have to pay – Whatever the top dollar is, they're going to have to give that to him. And by the way, great point here from Mike, who said previous Milwaukee Arb negotiations did involve David Stearns. He could carry those philosophies <laughs> to the Mets. It's much better, though, if you're Hauser and Taylor and you go to arbitration with a new team than your old team you came up yep. with. Because it doesn't hurt as bad. Someone I went, I got traded and went to arbitration. And it wasn't mm-hmm. as bad because I was like, if I would have gone with the Twins, who got traded to the Giants. It was like, man, I'm sitting across from Terry Ryan, the guy who drafted me, and now he's saying all these bad things about me. So it's a little bit less, but it still sucks as a player because you just sit there like this and you're like, they're lying, they're lying, but I can't act like I care. And I'm like trying not to pay attention, but they're lying, they're (laughs) lying. Okay, this isn't true, but okay. Now it's my turn. This week's guest on Brew Crew Territory, one of our favorites, but he's not going to be a guest on Brew Crew Territory anymore. It's Rowdy Telez, sad face. He's a Pittsburgh Pirate now. It's time. It's time for old Rowdy to spread his wings, but he'll always have a spot in Brewer lore. Anytime you you go 30-plus on the pumps, almost 100 RBIs, you make the playoffs a couple times with the team that you're with, you have, you have, a, you have a spot in Brewer's hearts. So does he think he deserves a tribute video when he returns to his division rival? the Milwaukee Brewers. That's part of our conversation with him. Let's run it. What are your thoughts on joining Pittsburgh and having the opportunity to knock your former ball club out of the playoff picture because you're going to play them a lot? So, you know, I'm, you can do your thank yous and I love Milwaukee and all that because we agree. I mean, we have plenty of Brewers players on. It's a great spot to play. But you, you got to have a little chip on your shoulder too, no? Um. Yeah, you know, I'm just – politician speech you know i'm just happy to be there like happy to be with pittsburgh um you know it's it's kind of the place i wanted to be in free agency i think it gives me a full runway to to basically say what do what kratz said you know just um give myself the best opportunity to put up big numbers in a free agent year and um being a, a great ballpark with a good young core that they have over there and you know like and like i told them when you know we were talking was you guys put up good good battles against us and it's kind of just like a battle of um who's got more veterans who's a little bit smarter um when it comes to that and they had so many young players that it was just tough for them to kind of sustain those leads once it got a little later you know you just but uh it is you know i did i love milwaukee 
love being a part of there, but you know, we didn't see eye to eye and this is, you know, part of the game, uh, part of the business side. So, you know, but it's going to be a, it's going to be fun playing against them. What's that, what's that conversation like? Cause obviously right now we hear all about Shohei and like, you know, now the Dodgers are courting Yamamoto and they're sending Mookie, they're sending Freddie. I don't think the Pirates are sending Key Brian Hayes and Brian Reynolds to woo to woo Rowdy into signing with the Pirates. What does that what does that process look like for you? And what other teams were offering you? Um, you know, it was kind of like they were the first team to really come after me. Actually, the first team to call were the Blue Jays, which was odd. In my eyes, it was a little different. Reunion tour. Uh, yeah. That was trying to be like you. I told you this. I'm trying <laughs> to hit every and uh so then they came to me. They were the first team to offer. And going into this, after being non-tenured, there was a few places we looked at, and Pittsburgh really was the one for us that was like, I think this gives me a good chance. You know, I talked to Kutch a lot about Pittsburgh. I talked to him even while he was a free agent. You know, like in my eyes, Kutch was never going to go anywhere. So, um, you know, I, hopefully they get something done with him and he, he can be back there. But he was just kind of giving me the the spiel of like what what it's like, what they can offer for me, and. Um, you know, just being around that group of guys and being a part of that. Um, uh, Sheltie was one of our coaches with Toronto when I was there. Um, Haynes was my hitting coach in Milwaukee when I first got there. Um, Mendy Lopez was uh, one of our coaches in the Dominican when I played uh, winter ball. So, like, I had a lot of, you know, and then obviously Ben Sherrington was with the Blue Jays. So, you know, there was a lot of um, former people that I had dealt with. And it was just uh, kind of one of two things, full transparency and – being comfortable with my staff and being comfortable with people I'm going to work with, you know? So I think they offered both those with a good young core and guys that get on base and allow me to drive in as many runs as I can and help them win. You know, I think it is a good young core. Um, I do think they put together good games. Uh, and I think, you know, just a couple key pieces away from really making a push. Are you the piece then? First of all, I got it. First of all, let me know when you want me to send you a bat to hang on your wall. I'll probably go over your bed, but. I can autograph one and send it to you. It might be too heavy um, for you. But are you the piece that's going to push him over the top? A lot of these guys have won MVPs and stuff, like Paul Goldschmidt. This is Zim, Zimmerman, but he had one MVP, but he was really good. You're not like that. And then I got a bunch <laughs> of other MVPs over here. I got Hall of Famers on the other wall. Um, you know, just – I stick to, like, good players. But I do think I'll be a contributing piece in this. Um, I do think – what we talked about being a bridge, um, being a player that can help, you know, being a player that struggled in my career, had success in my career, been sent up, been sent down. You know, I think um, that allows young players to kind of have some comfortability with knowing that, you know, you can fail and still have success. Um, it's just about how you handle it. So I think um, a lot of it is things along those lines of, you know, where, where can I help? Where can I benefit the organization? And who knows, you know, it could be a one-year thing, could do something and, make it uh, further in the future with them. But I think uh, a lot of it is just, you know, helping out these young players and helping them, you know, understand how hard this game truly is, especially, you know, like last year they had Andrew McCutcheon. And I've talked to Kutch about this when we were teammates in 22. It was like how hard it is to relate to the younger group of guys nowadays for him. You know, he, he's he been an MVP. He's been an all-star. He's been a gold glover. So, you know, he's done all this stuff. But the game's way different. As he says, too, it's just way different. It's not the same that when he came up. So I think sometimes when you have as much success as he has in his career and he's, you know, a top dog and a lot of these players that he's playing with now, 
idolized him as a child. Not like, you know, when they're in high school and they're like, oh, it's Andrew McCutcheon. Like, these kids are like five or six years old when he was in the big leagues. You know, so I think being able to be have someone there, too, that hasn't always had success um, can help out a young group of guys and, you know, keep the clubhouse light and, and have fun. So you know that feeling when you idolized me growing up. It's okay. Uh, so we haven't had you on since Council left for the Cubs. So because he left, is that why they DFA'd you? Or are you mad at Murph for DFAing you? So now you can go on a full NL Central revenge tour. Council with the Cubs, Murph for DFAing you at the Brewers. You know, I mean, let's go. It's rowdy time now. Yeah, I didn't get DFA'd. Uh, I got non-tendered. Ah, same shit. Dude, just, it's just, it's just if, verbiage. Uh, it's the same shit. Yeah, well... Kind of, but you know, like it is going to be kind of, I wouldn't call it a revenge tour, just go out and help the team win as much as I can. Um, but you know, it's always going to be fun. They're always going to have a little chip on your shoulder, just like first time I played the Blue Jays after they traded me, you know, I had good series and you always play a little chip on your shoulder. But I think that's just even when you play your former team, that's just how it is. Um, I think, um, you just have these little moments where you're like, I want to do something to show them, like, you guys missed out. Um, you know, so I think that's just something that's going to happen, you know. And staying in the NL Central um, allows me to be somewhere where I'm comfortable, too, and kind of know the the group of teams you're playing against, you know, those pitchers, you know, those guys. So you have a little bit of extra insight going in. So it should be a, it should be a good year. Hey, not a lot of guys go 30-plus, 100-plus. Are they going to have a video tribute when you go back to Milwaukee? Um, I don't. I don't know. I didn't do. Would I didn't go like hundred plus. I didn't go a hundred plus. Oh, you didn't go hundred plus? No, I went ninety. I think. Okay, never mind. No video tribute. Would you want a video tribute? Would you stand out there and be like watching yourself, um, and then tip your helmet? They'd show you pitching because that's neat. Yeah, I was. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think they'll do that. You don't get that for one year and a couple dog shit years, but. Um, you know, it's definitely a special place. You know, they gave me a chance to play, gave me a chance to prove who I was as a player. Um, you know, it's going to be a place that you miss and you kind of hold dear, but that's just like every place you play. Um, you're always going to have some sort of emotional ties to it because they're special. You know, this is a, a fun game, long seasons, tough seasons, tough games, you know, and those cities really embrace you and make it feel like you're at home. So I think uh, you miss some of those things, you know, some of the places that are, are special to you or, you know, places that are just, it's like a home. So I think uh, it's going to be, it's going to be fun going back. I don't know when we go back. Um, I don't know the first time we played Milwaukee, but I might tip my hat if they want me to, if they give me you know, two claps, I'm going to do it. It doesn't have to be a whole standing out. Like I'm just gonna <laughs> One dude, like near the dugout saying, Rowdy, I love you, I love Rowdy. You. please give him some time. Yeah. Well, do they still have to do the whole permission from the league? You're going to have I to go won. through that whole process, dude. It's stressful, you know? Man yeah, sits I think in his I'm, office I think... and goes like this, and he's like, hmm, do I want to give it to Rowdy today? Should we give him the pause, or do we bang him with ball one? Hmm. Or yeah, it's not going to matter. It's not going to matter. Like you said, the first guy that says, you know, Rowdy, I'm full. I might get two strikes called on me. I'm going <laughs> to do the whole like, – I might do the whole Cal Ripken, uh, take the bullpen card around the field, high-five everybody, 0-for-1 with a strikeout. But, you know, it, I just don't know yet. It could be that or I could just stand there and maybe give, you know, a little pip-hip cheerio and then take my strikeout. Um, 
but I'll be in the box for that one. They'll boo you. But they, they, might, they might boo you like, like you're the most hated player of all time. No, but Kratz, respectfully, he will get a video tribute. I guarantee you that. It's a lock. I'm telling sure. you. There well, are players <laughs> that don't do much that get video tributes. Again, you were there for multiple years. You contributed plenty of damage. It's a lock. We had He's Kyle Agashioka on the other day. Your offensive profile is a little better than Higgy. And he was yeah. like, and he'd been there a while, but he was like, nah, they're not going to give me one. And then fans in our chat, because I don't know if you've noticed, Rowdy, but you know, you were one of our first guests. The show's kind of getting pretty popular. So there's a lot of people in the chat on a daily basis. And they were like, tell Higgy, he's definitely getting a video tribute. Aaron Hicks got a video tribute and many others did for their time with the <laughs> Yanks. And it's the same story with the Brewers. But hey, Facts are facts. You're getting it, okay? May 13th. May 13th. Hey, set your calendar. May 13th. Pirates at Brewers. Oh, oh, oh God. Tremendous. The Monday, there'll be 700 people there. One of them will be front row Amy. Rowdy's going to go over and give her a big hug as they're giving the, as they're doing the tribute to him. Um, I just love that that's the first thing you thought of was front row Amy. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, Burns, Burns is like the first person to text me after um, – like I signed with the Pirates, and he just sent me this little gif of a pitcher drilling the hitter, and he said, "Watch out!" And I was like, "I was like, all right, man. If you rib cage me with one of these cutters and be pissed, you can hit me in the thigh. Just stay below the belt." And he was like, "Absolutely not." He well, like, actually, this, we just had Freddie on yesterday, and we were talking about how Freddie was tipping, and somebody told him, "Hey, you know, you're tipping." We figured it out, and then we said, "Well, Rowdy's going to be Rowdy's on the other side now." Said, what happens? What happens when you face Rowdy the first time? He goes, Well, you know, he said, maybe, maybe Rowdy, boop, right here. So now there's two guys on the Brewers that are thinking about throwing at you. I wouldn't be surprised if the whole team says it. Burns said he was gonna do it in spring training, so the first one he threw was at my chest. And I was like, What are you doing, dude? This is spring. And I was he didn't hit me, but it was like up and in, and they kind of like I, I just, you know, as much as, you know, he's pretty straight in there. Like, he doesn't really show a lot of emotion. So, like, he said it to me, and then we went out there for the live ABs, and I was like, this dude might do this. He might actually just find my <laughs> elbow guard or something. Like, he might do it. So, I told him, I was like, dude, just don't do it. Let me foul it off my shin, and, like, let me inflict my own pain. Like, let me just take a cutter off the shin and be fine. Who would who'd but, be the best? Who'd be the best? Who's, a, who's the number one person on that team that you're like, I want to hit a dinger off of that guy. Um, hmm. Devin? I don't know. Well, I mean, yeah, Dev, Dev would be up there. Dev, because just anybody you kind of like, you know, you were close with. I, I don't – I wasn't like one of those guys that was like, I'm not talking to pitchers or anything. I messed with everybody. I talked to everybody. I, you know, I would love to hit one off Hauser. Doogie was a, a great guy. Uh, great teammate. We still text, so um, he's a big hunter, so we talk a lot about that. But, yeah, Dev, Doogie, Corb, um, any of those guys. You know, me and, me and Burns, I, that's the first thing I said to him. I said, who, who are you going to talk to in the clubhouse now? And he was like, I'm going to sit in my corner and just not say anything to anybody. And I was like, yeah, I figured. And I was like, Corbin doesn't talk to anybody, but he likes to give me shit, just I don't know why. I think it's because he feels bad about my hairline and he thinks he's got a good one, but – I saw him when he came on uh, the bus the day he cut his hair, and I was like, what, we got first day of school pictures, or what are we doing? I was like, there's no way your kid knows who you are. 
<laughs> I was like, so, get ready, Pittsburgh. Yeah, he, he was like, my son. He was like, my son has no idea who I am. I'm like, yeah, I don't even know who you are. <laughs> well, that's why we bring you both on all the time. Um, so, on the topic of your signing, I think a comp that we can use here, since it happened so close to the time that you locked in with the Pirates, is your colleague, your peer in the industry, Shohei Otani. So he signs with the Dodgers for a cool 10-year, 700 mil with all the deferral action going on. Actually, the latest news that we got in the past 24 hours is he's getting the home suite when he's got the home games, which I'm sure you got. He's getting the uh, clause where if the president of baseball operations or the owner leaves, then he's allowed to leave too. So curious, first off, to just get your take on your reaction to what you saw with Otani and then um, some of the contract details that you noticed from his uh, deal? Uh, I didn't know any of that. I asked for the same considering my ERA was lower, but they moved over a couple of the commas to 10 years, 70,000. And I was like, you know what? If you can give me 75, I'm in. Um, <laughs> but they uh, that's just a crazy deal. I like I thought 600 as a player playing against him, facing him. Like I was like, this guy, I mean, it's, it's never been seen before in the game. So I thought like 600 and then that came out 10 for 700. And I was like, Oh my goodness. So everybody's like, Oh man, contracts are going to go higher now. I'm like, no, they're not. Nothing's changing. Like that's the outlier. I mean, nobody's getting anywhere near that. Nobody ever will. Like it's just, it's an absurd contract, but to see like he's getting 68 million a year after he's done playing, you know, he's just going to go and not be an L.A. resident anymore. He won't be a California resident, so those taxes won't be that bad. Um, I mean, it's smart. It really is. Like, what he's doing is smart. You know, basically exploiting the system. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's going to make so much money off the field, too. L.A. market, what the L.A. Dodgers bring, I think. And then you got to remember the Dodgers only play on their network. So that network's going to be sold in Japan now. Um it's going to be crazy. That was just an, an unreal deal. All Did right, you, so – Go ahead. No, no uh, Rowdy, you're talking about Shohei making money. Think about your endorsement deals this year in Pittsburgh. You can go to Primani Brothers and just eat the sandwiches all day long while you're on the Pilates machine, get the fries all over your face, and then just think about think about the endorsement possibilities that you have in Pittsburgh. With my Yeah, with my Miguel Jordans on. Maybe he'll <laughs> give me You're making call. more than Shohei is this year. I am. I am. And uh, I do get a home sweet sweets. They let me have sweets. Um, candy. They don't give me a sweet. <laughs> they don't even give me a sweet on the road. They don't even give me a sweet on the road for my room. Um, I, I, yeah, so I guess we're very similar. I would say same body type, if anything. Oh, for sure, dude. Yeah, he was uh, actually in the gym yesterday because we had Gavin Lux on. He said he saw him and he was doing 600-pound deadlifts. So you're good, you and Otani. Um, question for you based on your location uh, growing up, okay? Because you were Bay Area-ish, right? Elk Grove, I don't kind know of. exactly where that is. Kind of. You were a Giants fan, right? Yeah, So I was. the Giants pursued Otani, and they, they signed a dude yesterday, Lee, for 100-plus mil, but – um, Buster Posey was part of the recruiting process for Otani and we had Ken Rosenthal on yesterday who was kind of giving us more insight and we've all heard this at this point we were just kind of trying to normalize it and let people know 
it's been hard for them to recruit players. Now, some of it's their own doing, like they signed Cray last year and then they flunked his physical, right? But why do you think it's been difficult for the Giants to recruit players, especially the last few years? I mean, most people around the game have said, hey, it's not consensus, but there are many players that just don't want to go there and play there right now. And sure, there's the tax situation, but the taxes are the same in Los Angeles. So do you feel like there's a stigma right now with players that don't want to play for the Giants? And I'm not just talking about, you know, if there's players that don't want to live in that particular city, but maybe even the way that they've operated with platooning and only having two starters in the second half of the season and mixing and matching pitchers. Like, what have you noticed or heard from any guys about San Francisco and the Giants? Um, you know, just... I only know J.D. Davis, who I went to high school with, and he seems to like it, but that's close to home for us. We're only, like, we're sub two hours from there. So, um, you know, for me, like, I, the city, man, it's just bad. I grew up going to Giants games. We grew up taking, um, you know, Bart into the city. We grew up doing all that, and it was fine. But last 10, 12 years, man, it's just been a bad city. It's not nice anymore. It's not clean. I mean, it's hardly safe. Um but I don't know. Like, I don't know on the baseball side. I don't know what goes on over there. Um, I really can't speak much on that front. But it looks like it's just there's a lot of – like, the recruiting process is different. And they're just not the same team. You know, when you had Buster and Mad Bum and all those guys that were doing – you know, they're winning World Series. Like, that, that's an easy recruiting process to bring guys in. But even then, like, I don't know if it's – I don't know what it is. Because it's a massive market huge but i don't know if a lot of it has to do with the city or or what it really is it could be a platooning thing could be the fact that they're going after one big name and when they don't go after that big name it's it's over does that go into your decision to sign sign at a place how much of this like if you were go percentage wise obviously you want to make the most cash that you can that's that's a it's an opportunity you're a free agent you want to make the cash but how much of that is – how much of the other things go into your decision? Um, well, I don't – again, like I think winning has a lot to go into it. If I'm, if I'm a big-name guy and I'm going in, you know, and I got – I've done a lot of the other things. I've won the MVPs or I've been an all-star for a long time. And, you know, you got – you're in that big free agent time. Like winning's got to – winning's going to play a big part in it. Um, you know, how they run their medical staff could be one, how they have the, the hitting coaches, the people they surround them with. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that could, that they could take into it. Uh, but you know, like I, if I look, if I'm Shohei, like I'm, I'm such a, the, I'm the most prized free agent in years and I'm going to pick exactly what I want, where I want, like, and like, it, you know, and you guys said it earlier before I came on the show and I was listening LA will do whatever the players want. You know, you hear that as a player, they will go out and buy whatever they, the player wants. They will go out and get the best technology. They'll go do whatever it takes. And some other organizations won't do that. You know, even the bigger ones will be like, yeah, we can, we'll do some of it or we will do 80% of it. But I think that plays in a lot to why some of these big massive markets are always getting players, regardless of they're good or not. Um, are just, they, they have the opportunity and they know that, they can just do as they please. Whatever the new technology is, whatever the best of the best is, they can go and get it. All right, so you were the Jays. Shohei had an opportunity to sign with the Jays. 
we don't know exactly. Supposedly they were they were in in that realm. Are the Blue Jays an organization that would do that? That would go out and get. Obviously, we're saying the Dodgers are up here and everybody's trying to keep up with them. But do you think the Blue Jays are an organization that could have really rolled out the red carpet for Shohei and been an opportunity for him? Or do you think there's some things there that you would say, eh, maybe this is why he didn't sign there? Uh, I do. Um, we played there last year and I went and saw all the new facilities that they put in uh, at the stadium. I was there when they did the spring training when they did the new one, but at the stadium is insane state of the art. Uh, it's, it's pretty crazy. And I know um, that Rogers, a lot of people don't understand. I mean, he's a, one of the richest owners in, in baseball, if not behind Cohen. I mean, he's a, I think he's, you know, he's got a ton of money. He always treated us good. Even when we stunk, you know, now they have a good gr- uh, group of guys over there. And um, I don't know. I mean, they have a crazy market up there and, uh, it's a, it is a cool city, man. It really is a cool place to play. And I know you guys have both played uh, games up there, visitor and as a player there. And it's, it's a cool city. It really is. So I don't, I mean, my assumption is it had to be between Toronto and LA and maybe LA just put up a little bit more money. Had obviously had like probably gave him a little bit different of a pitch and you got to think he was already living in LA. So no need to move. He was there. So I think there's a couple things that lean towards LA's direction, but Toronto definitely isn't afraid by the looks of it from the outside uh, uh, to spend money. So Rowdy, last one for me. Um, did you see that one day, that Friday when it was fake news city and the men were separated from the boys in terms of the insiders? And some people were saying, oh, he's on a flight and he's going to sign with the Jays. And we've had, you know, some Toronto people on since then. And they said, hey, it was devastating because they thought they were going to sign him. So I don't think you're you know, hooked to your phone like some players are, right? Like many of the Dodgers players we've had on over the past week and a half were like, yeah, I was getting the notifications I'm seeing. And you know, obviously a lot of people in L.A. thought that he was departing, but it was all bullshit. Yeah, I, I, uh, I was getting some secondhand stuff. Um, a couple of the guys I trained with were like, telling me about it but you know i have no social media not really caring i'm gonna be honest like the show here tiny <laughs> thing was cool i knew he was gonna be the highest paid player ever and get the biggest contract ever like cool sick um you know i was kind of you know and i had some stuff on my own front where i was trying to get some stuff done with with my career but um you know like a couple of guys are showing me that the guy they sent up from shark tank is the same agency and yada yada <laughs> But I have no idea. I I wasn't glued to my phone, but um, I did check ESPN because I was looking at what time Monday Night Football or whatever a football game was that I was getting ready to go to. Oh, and I was going to the Dallas uh, versus Eagles game. So we were looking at tickets and stuff. And then, um, you know, so then I looked at the game, looked on the ESPN app, and I was, like, looking at times and, like, other things, see if, like, whatever. And then that popped up. And I was like, oh, no way. But he was like, yeah, it's crazy. It happened like 20 minutes ago. I was like, oh, cool. Still in the truck, didn't care. <laughs> yeah, you had your own business to take care of. As long as he wasn't, you know, suddenly going to Pittsburgh and deciding he's going to be a first baseman, then it would have been, you know, a little bit of an issue. But you're good, dude. Yeah. He, uh, that's, you know, I, you know, I don't know how these contracts all work when, with that, but it doesn't seem like that's 
it doesn't look like it's a bad contract. You watch what that guy can do, and I think he's I think he's younger than me. I think he's twenty seven or something like that. He's super young. Uh, only twenty eight, yeah. by the way, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I said. He, he's young, like, and he's already proven himself. He's two time MVP, and you know he's. I don't I don't see it going bad. The guys, I've played against him multiple times. I watched him hit a forty three degree launch angle home run to center field off our scoreboard at like one hundred and twenty, and I was like, "Did he get jammed? Like, it didn't even sound good." <laughs> I was like, it's, it was a joke, you know, and he, I, I don't know. Like, I, I would pay him that. If I'm a GM, I'd been like, here's a blank check. Tell me what you want. Here's your contract. Fill it in how you want to do it. I, you can, you can do that. And I, you know, a lot of people say, well, he didn't win over in, in Anaheim and he had the second best player in the game. And, but, you know, I think a new environment sometimes and you, you surround him with a couple other players. Like I, I can, that bat, that bat alone is the best in the game. Yep. I'm with you, dude. Well, we're glad that you're uh, joining the Pittsburgh Pirates, though, and ready to bring some damage. We talked you up big yesterday, all right? So we got high expectations. It starts with the Pilates competition at spring training. I will drive AJ over to Bradenton. Um, we can do it there or in Pirate City, whatever works for you guys. Whatever you want to do, you set it up. Bring – what's the trainer's name? Mine? Yeah. Her name's Brittany. Brittany will officiate. So we can hey, do I get to bring Joy, my trainer? Fine. Yes. Yeah, we can have a trainer. Okay. You guys are like Shohei. You guys are like Shohei and G-Man Choi. You get to bring your trainer slash interpreter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> well, dude, in all seriousness, congrats, man. Pumped to see you in Pittsburgh. You. Um, and we'll catch up with you later this offseason, all right? Kratzy, what number did you wear there so I can make sure it's not retired? <laughs> 38. 38? Okay. I told the uh, I told I told Pedro because Pedro Alvarez worked for the Brewers and I told Pedro I said uh, I'm requesting number 24 and I'm taking all my pictures with my ears in my hat. You won't. I'll I'll tuck in. I'm going to do doing it all. I'm be all you tucked won't. in. I'm gonna look like Pedro. What's PD doing over there with the Brewers? Murph, get him a job. Um, I don't know, but I he was over there. He does a lot of stuff with the players. He does a lot of stuff with the younger guys and. But uh, we talked a lot this year. Uh, I really like him, man. He's an open book. Um, I think he, he gives great advice, especially um, when it came to talking to me about getting my body in shape this offseason and, you know, all that. So he was kind of saying, you know, from his standpoint of his career, um, things that he wished he would have done better, things he would wish he had done different. Uh, but, you know, just basically how to handle the day-to-day grind of you know, struggling but also – kind of keeping it real with me. So uh, I really appreciate it. I'm still talking to him. He's a great guy, great human being, down to earth, uh, really just easy to talk to. He smashed baseballs. Rowdy, oh, that's the let first me know, Rowdy, let me know when you your address so I can send you an autograph bat. You can hang it up behind you. Thanks. You can go now. I mean, that's the, that's the second time you brought it up, so you, I know you. it really hurts you that I haven't asked for anything. No, it doesn't uh, hurt me. I just want you to have one so you can sleep with it. Maybe it'll yeah, osmosis will come gonna, in. Yeah, most of your bats ended in firewood anyway from those change-ups on your hands, but I so I don't need any pieces. I I got an electric fireplace, propane or whatever it is, so I'm good on that. But um yeah, you know, it was a good try. You tried hard and like I said, you know, we we're all proud of what you did and you know, and you keep fighting. You know, keep going, little buddy. <laughs> you see what he's got behind him, Raddy, just to show off every day. No way, it's the other way. 
Yeah, that little that little silver thing he bought on eBay. That's like an yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly what I bought on eBay. They sell those, you know. They're you know they're you know seventy million a year. Yeah, they are. I mean, I don't think that really worked out for you, but (laughs) keep trying. Well, Uh, that's that's why you're buying dinner in Bradenton after I whip your ass some Pilates. That's fine. You can you can buy you can buy our dinner in in Bradenton. With all that service time you had, and guys, I got the good your career was. I got the fast food restaurant in Bradenton. Okay, I got it. I think I got Kratzy. You don't strike me as a foodie, but I feel like you got some secret spots in a lot of good cities. I am definitely a foodie. Are you really? Okay, yeah. we're gonna need to talk about that. AJ, you don't you don't need food. Uh, you can have sweet green, but uh, <laughs> what's that? But thanks, guys, for having me on and. AJ, you know, keep trying. You can keep thinking and writing these notes down before you come on this air. (laughs) Good stuff, as always, from Rowdy. We're going to miss him on Brooker territory, but Brewers fans might regret letting him go in favor of Jake Bowers. We'll see what happens this coming season. We do have Corbin Burns joining us on the next edition of Brooker territory. Kratz can't wait to talk to him because, you know, he's kind of going to be a big deal in 2024 in the offseason still, whether he gets moved or not. Yeah, absolutely. Whether he gets moved or not, my guy is going to get some absolute paper. And I'm happy for him. And I'm happy that we get to ask him some solid free agent extension questions. Agreed. And how much do you think Corbin Burns is worth if he was, say, a free agent this season? Let us know in the comments below if you're watching on YouTube. And if you're watching on YouTube and you want to listen to us on the go, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your pods, just type in Brew Crew Territory. That's it for us. We'll see you next week with Corbin Burns.